Good morning to each one and a welcome. Greetings in Christ's worthy name. Christ Jesus, the one above, the name above all else, the none above all others, the name that wherewith we're saved, the name that through him we can conquer and we're winners, we're sons and daughters of him. The name above all else. But God hath chosen the foolish things of this world. The foolish things, the world, the things the world looks at as they're foolish. But God has chosen the foolish things of this world to confound the wise, the wise of our world, the ones that think they have the knowledge and have the wisdom to, to think they can go without God in our world. And God hath chosen the weak things, the things that are frail and fragile to confound the things that are strong and mighty. Turn with me to turn with me to 1st Kings. Sorry, 2nd Kings. 2nd Kings 5. And I want to bring some lessons out and I'll get to that verse at the end of the message. My mind is, 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 has been on chapter 5 of, of, of Second Kings, where Naaman was, was delivered and experienced a great miracle. One of those miracles that in the Old Testament that Brian was talking about this morning, Naaman experienced. And when Naaman, when, Naaman, when Brian got up here to, to have devotions this morning, of course I wanted to say this miracle, but I saved it till now. And I really appreciate his, his thrust this morning on our eagerness and our passion to pursue righteousness. Um, sometimes we wonder where God is and all that. But God can sometimes see the weirdest, simplest, the stupid things, the things that look, look, look like they're worth nothing to our society and use them for miracles, big things. <clears throat> Second Kings 5. And Naaman was a captain of the host of the king of Syria. Was a great man with his master and honorable because by him the Lord had given deliverance unto Syria and he was also a mighty man in valor. Here Naaman was a commander of the army. He was a chief, a military chief officer. He was one that had defeated the enemies of Israel and Judah and had fought and won. He was a great honorable man. He was a mighty man of valor. And that mighty man of valor was, was the same title that, that was given to Gideon and David in the Old Testament. Mighty man of valor. He was a renowned man. He was a, he was a mighty warrior. He was what you would say a general over generals. But there in the end of verse 1 it says, But he was a leopard. You know, Naaman had a lot going for himself. He was one that the king would lean upon in worship. We'll find out later on in the chapter. He was his right-hand man for the king. He had a lot going for himself. But he was a leper. No matter, what, no matter how good or successful he was, no matter what he conquered and no matter how many battles he won, 
no matter how mighty he was in battle and in strategy and winning those battles, but he was a leopard. Leprosy was one of the worst things in the Bible times. And I like to think leprosy was actually, correct me if I'm wrong here, but I studied into leprosy a little bit, and it's just gruesome what leprosy did. I'd say leprosy is worse than what cancer is today. You see, cancer fights from the inside. Yes, it does, you don't see it much from the outside. Yeah, there's a tool, it takes a tool on its body, but it eats away at the inside of our bodies. Leprosy was a complete reverse. Leprosy, I'm just going to read it here as I have it written down, began as a small red dots on the skin. And before long, the spots got bigger and started to turn white with a sort of shiny or scaly appearance. Pretty soon the spots spread over the whole body and hair began to fall off, first upon the head, then even from the eyebrows. Things got worse. The fingernails and the toenails began to loosen. They started to rot and eventually fall off. Then the joints of the fingers and the toes, at the very joints, they began to rot and they would fall off piece by piece. Gums in your mouth began to shrink and they would begin to not hold, they couldn't hold the teeth anymore. So each one of them, one by one, fell out. Leprosy kept eating away at the face until literally the nose and the roof of your mouth and even the eyes rotted out. The victim wasted away until he died. What for picture did you get? The picture of Naaman here as a mighty man, a mighty valor, an honorable man, one that was respected by his master. But he was a leopard. I like to think Naaman here was in a place in his leprosy. If I have it right, they didn't have to go and live in exile away from everyone else until the spots would scale or would start to vester, would come to the skin's surface. So at this point, I don't think Naaman was contagious in his leprosy. So he didn't have to be exiled from the camp and, and put out like the Israelites had to do. At this point, I like to think Naaman's leprosy was just those spots that you saw just under the skin's surface, and they hadn't come to the surface yet. I'm reading into it here. That's what I like to think. And here his, his commander was, was so desperate to keep, Naaman's, the king was so desperate to keep his commander in position, recognizing that he had a need. Haman had a need, and he had leprosy. And if you don't do something, get help or dump something, we're going to lose him as, as, as my commander in, our, in my army. I like to think that was the thoughts of his king. Verse 2, and the Syrians had gone out by companies and had brought away a captive out of the land of Israel, a little maid, and she waited on Naaman's wife. This happened prior to this account, where they had gone out and they had brought back a captive, a little girl, a little girl that was taken away from her home, a little girl 
approximately the commentary say 11 years old, that was snatched away from her home. Very likely she even saw her mom and dad being killed in front of her eyes and used her as a slave to be the waitress of Naaman's wife. This little girl said unto her mistress in verse 3, Would God, my Lord, were with the prophet there in Samaria, for he would recover him of his leprosy. Would God, this, this little girl, this maid was saying, Would to God that my Lord, the king, my Lord, she's referring to Haman, to Naaman. She's referring to Naaman, my Lord, Naaman. Were to go to the prophet in Samaria and be recovered of his leprosy. This little girl wasn't playing the victim card, was she? This little girl wasn't thinking about herself and her dilemma of being captive. This little girl was thinking about the good and the better of the one she was serving. This little girl was unwillingly put in a place to be a missionary, unwillingly, against her will to serve on Naaman and his wife. And she thought about God. She thought about the prophet back in her hometown. And she said, would my Lord go there? In verse 4, and one went in and told his Lord, told Hanan, the thing thus and thus saith the maid that is in, that is of the land of Israel. I think here the Lord switched to the king. And the king, because it says in verse 5, and the king of Assyria said, Go, go to go. And I will send a letter unto the king of Israel. And he departed and took with him ten talents of silver and six thousand pieces of gold and ten changes of raiment. A little bit more on that little girl. I think that little girl grew up in a home where she was pointed to God, was pointed to, to trust God. She had somewhat of a knowledge of God, to be able to point him into the prophet. And she was used greatly by God. Her little voice, when she spoke out, was a piece to Naaman's cleansing. Hang on to that thought. Her little voice was a piece in the puzzle to Naaman's cleansing. <clears throat> Here Haman, Naaman goes to the king of Israel with all these riches. And in our day, according to some of the commentators, according, in our day, those riches translate to $1.2 million. And he took a great host with him to carry all these things, not just that to protect Naaman, the mighty man. Verse 6, and he brought the letter to the king of Israel, saying, Now when this letter is come unto thee, behold, I have wherewith sent Naaman my servant to thee, that thou mayest recover him of his leprosy. You see, the king, of, the king of Assyria did not realize that the king of Israel had nothing to do with the prophet of God. The king of, the king of Israel here, which was Jerem, I think, didn't even look into that, didn't like the prophet of God, despised the prophet of God. And so when this, this, this man and his great host came, 
the enemy came to him and said, you know, ask him to recover him of his leprosy. It says in verse 7, And it came to pass when the king of Israel read the letter, and he rent his clothes and said, Am I God to kill and to make alive? That this man does send unto me to recover a man of his leprosy? Wherefore, consider, I pray you, I see now that he's seeking a quarrel against me. Huh, he's starting to strike. He's starting to want to stir up strife. And the man of God, Elisha, heard. You know, the king here felt very intimidated, the king of Israel. First of all, it was not in his power to heal him. He, and he knew that. Second of all, he had no relationship, I mentioned before, to the prophet of God. And so when he came to him with this kind of request, it was nothing but this man seeking to quarrel against me. And then verse 8, And it came to pass when Elisha, the man of God, had heard the king of, Is the king of Israel had rent his clothes, that he sent the king, saying, Wherefore hast thou rent thy clothes? Let him come now unto me. And he shall know, and he shall know that there is a prophet in Israel. I don't think Elisha was saying, toot, toot, I'm tooting my horn here. I'm a prophet in Israel. Let him come down to my house and I'll take care of it. No, that he shall know that there's a prophet in Israel. No, there should, in another, way, another way you could look at that is, and he shall know that there is a God. There is a man that stands intercessing for his people because he believes who God is. So Naaman came with his horses and his chariots and stood at the door of Elisha. Now picture with me this morning as Naaman, he was anticipating healing. He was anticipating going on the voice of this little maiden that said to go to Israel for healing. There's a prophet in Israel that could heal you. And as Naaman approaches the door and knocks on the door, I like to think Naaman was anticipating this man to come to the door with high hopes. Can you imagine the dissipation if you would be diagnosed with that deadly disease? And you were in front of a door about to open and you were to be healed or hoping to be healed. And Elijah sent a messenger unto him saying, Go wash in Jordan seven times and the flesh shall come unto thee again and it shall be clean. Ugh. The door opens up and here was just a messenger. Another messenger by the voice, given a voice that depending on what Naaman would have done with that message or that voice that, that voice that was told him that also was a step in Naaman's healing. But what deflation. You know, here it was just the man of God couldn't even come out and talk to me face to face. He just sends his messenger to open the door and told me to go wash in Jordan. Naaman was wroth, verse 11, and went away. Behold, I thought he would surely come out unto me and stand and call on the name of the Lord his God and strike his hand over the place and recover the leprosy. His thoughts were right there. What? Am I not better than that? I'm a man of honorable. I'm a man of a mighty man of honor. I, I'm, a, I'm a mighty valor, a mighty captain of the mighty host of Assyria. And you talk to me like that? You sent me a messenger? Don't you get the vibes that Naaman was thinking here? I, I, I'm better than that. 
See, his pride was one, of his worst, was one of his first enemies here, of him not taking this advice from the messenger. He had a proudful heart. He thought he'd know better than that. He thought he had God all kind of lined up in a box and, and, and thought that his healing should come a certain, certain way. And when God chose something different, he was wroth. In a way, in a way angry. He's not done here. And he says, wouldn't the rivers of Damascus been better than the rivers of Israel? Do I have to stoop to this low of dignity and, and go to the rivers of Israel? Muddy Jordan? When Assyria was already proudful, very proudful of their two rivers that run through Assyria. That's what made Assyria great, was those two rivers. And they had much pride in their waters in Assyria. And he says, am I not? May I not wash in them and be clean? So he turned and went away in rage. I see two enemies here in Naaman's life. In Naaman's life, the one is proud, a proudful self of self-esteem. He was too proud to admit. Yes, he knew he needed. A, he was he was diagnosed with leprosy, but his pride consumed him where he didn't. He could not see his need at that moment. And the second one is the evil questioning that he fell into. Two enemies I see here. You know, there's so many times when my pride, when my self gets lifted up, what's the first thing I do? I start to challenge. Or I challenge what you tell me. Or, I, or, or I'm tempted to, you know, if, I see, if you, you see a need in my life and, and you mention it to me and you, and you should do so and so. The first thing that would, if, I'm a, if my pride is consumed, my pride takes over, the first thing that I do is start evil, start questioning with a wrong intent. Evil questioning. Well, that's what I see in Naaman's life here. Started questioning. I don't know how many days expired here or if he went home. I like to think he went home. But maybe he didn't. And in verse 13, his servants came near and spake unto him and said, My father, if the prophet, some profound wisdom, words of wisdom here. If my father, again they're entreating him as a father. This was his servants. If the prophet had bid thee do some great thing, wouldst thou not have done it? How much rather then, when he said unto thee, wash and be clean. Wash and be clean. I don't know what changed in, Na in Naaman's life or in his outlook. But that struck a core in his, in his heart. There again I see another voice that was spoken into his life. That was part of his cleansing. That, would, that, did the, that took the steps that it took to be cleansed. It was another voice that was speaking into his life. His servants. If, if, if they basically said if the prophet would have told thee to go climb some big mountain. On your hands and knees or whatever. Some big difficult thing. You would have gladly done it. But since he asked you a small thing. What's, why, why can't you do such a simple thing? 
You see, he was a mighty man. I can see, find the, the verse that I... And he was you and he was thinking he was thinking of of the way he used to think of of in, in when he fought battles and strategy and you know having things having things in a box. He was thinking of the way things should turn out. He was thinking about he was using he was looking at it through the eyes of the wisdom of this world. And this foolish thing of going to Jordan, dipping himself was just unheard of. You know, but God, that's what God has chosen. That's what God chose. What did he do? 14, he went down, and he dipped himself seven times in Jordan according to the saying of the man of God. And his flesh came unto him like the flesh of a little child, and he was clean. Something that stood out to me in this passage was, who was, who did the cleaning? Who did the cleansing here? Anyone? Who did the cleansing? Was it Elisha? God did. And I, I'm not sure. I didn't. I didn't study all the. I didn't study all the miracles in the Old Testament. But most times in the Old Testament, when God performed a miracle, it was by the voice of a prophet. Or simple obedience to a certain thing. It wasn't that they laid their hands upon him and they healed them. Yes, the widow, Elisha and the widow and her son, he stretched himself upon the, the child. But there were still steps that they were taken to be healed. But when Jesus came in the New Testament, Jesus could simply just touch and heal. In the Old Testament, it took action to, to, to actually Action from people, multiple people sometimes, to bring the miracle about. The steps it took to bring this miracle apart about was, was hinged largely on Naaman's, it was largely on his steps of obedience, whether he would do it or not. I like to think that Naaman, he did exactly what he did. He did exactly what Elisha told him to do. Each dunk in that Jordan was a step of faith. Trusting in the word of God through his voice, through his prophet. And we read on. And he returned to the man of God. And he and his company, and he came and stood before him and said, Behold now, I know that there is no God in all the earth but in Israel. Now therefore, I pray thee, take a blessing from thy servant. I see a changed man. I see a man that came to the door because of, of thanks, thank, uh, out of a thankful heart, just like that leopard that, that came back, uh, ten lepers, and the one came back to thank Jesus. Jesus asked, where are the nine? I see a man that stood in front of the door, that same door that he left in rage. I see a man come back and saying, and now I know, not that there's a prophet, but that there is a God in Israel. You see, God was glorified. And he was humbled. He was struck in his human. He was humbled. Haman was humbled. And he trusted the voice. Those voices. He listened to the voices that were prior in his life before his cleansing. And he trusted them. And he went on the faith of someone else. 
until he stepped into Jordan out of obedience. And he experienced cleansing. And out of that came a very thankful heart. And he said, as the Lord liveth before whom I stand, I receive none. And he urged him to take it, but he refused. All those 1.2 million worth of goods. Elisha said, no, it was God that did the healing. It was God that did it. I didn't do nothing. And Naaman said, shall it not then, I pray thee, be given to thy servant two mules burden of earth. For thy servant will henceforth offer neither burnt offering nor sacrifices unto other gods, but unto the Lord. What a commitment. This man had so much faith that he wanted to take, he wanted to load up two donkeys full of dirt, loaded with dirt, to take back to his home country, Samaria, so that he could make a little mound of dirt and he could worship God on that dirt. That's what he wanted. Maybe he's like we were when we were converted. We had so much faith. And we, 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 just, we, we were going to just remove mountains. We were going to do we, you know, more zeal than brains. But he was ministered. He had faith here. He wanted to take dirt back. And he wanted to do that. He wanted to, to remember. I also like to think that he, every time that he looked at that pile of dirt, he, he remembered what it took for his cleansing. He remembered the miracle that God had done, the God in Israel, how he cleansed him. It was also a memorial, I think, for Naaman. In this thing, in Naaman speaking in 18, in this thing the Lord pardon thy servant, that, that when my master goes into the house of Remna to worship there, and he leaneth on the hand, on, on mine hand, and I bow myself in the house of remnant, and when I bow myself in the house of remnant, that God pardon thy servant from this thing. You see the dilemma that he was in? He was the right hand man of his king back home. And when his king went into the idol, into the house to worship idols, remnant, the house of remnant, that, that he was required to be in there beside the king. So when the king went to worship him, he ministered unto the king different things that they did in their worship. He was required to be there. And Naaman was saying here, have mercy. He was like, the Lord pardoned me from this thing. How, how am I supposed to go back and do the, the duties that I'm called to do under my king? And Lord, please pardon me when I do these things. And what did Elijah say? And he said unto him, go in peace. So he departed from him a little ways. I like to look at this and say, <coughs> Elijah didn't say, no, no, you shouldn't go in there. But he said, like, it's up to you and God. You see, he was already on a journey. That was, his eyes were open to the eyes of what God can do. And he, was, he knew there was a God in Israel. And he knew that all the other gods, the idols that their, their people worship were nothing. And could do nothing what the God in Israel could do. He recognized that. He believed in that. And I think Elijah sent him away and go in peace because he knew that he was on the right journey to be redeemed. Redemption, be sanctified. Not going into the part, a little bit in the last part of the cha chapter where Gezi, <coughs> that's a message in itself. But see, his servant, 
Elijah's servant that was used by Elisha to give the message to Naaman coveted those things that Naaman had brought along. And when he was given those things and blessed with not just one but two because he went after him and lied over it. And Elisha knew, knew all along what happened. Doesn't say that he was not allowed to keep those things. But he also got blessed with what Naaman had. Got blessed with leprosy. An awful disease. Naaman and Gehazi's, Gehazi's reward was the same thing that Naaman had come for cleansing. A quote that I found is, we see here a pagan who had acted in faith, who was cured of leprosy. An Israelite who, was acted by, who has acted in greed and dishonor is cursed with it. Making it to our day this morning. I see seven dips to healing. Now this morning I'm not taking away from our healing and our sanctification. Our cleansing comes from dying to ourselves at the cross. Jesus Christ is our cleansing. Jesus Christ already has cleansed. It's up to us how we take and we live out that free gift of salvation and whether we're going to be cleansed. And I like to think of the, my title of my message this morning is Seven Dips to, to Healing. And the first step I see here, Naaman went. And see, I'm going to just read them down and I'll make some comments in closing. The first dip, listening. Seeing your need by listening to the voice of God through those around you. You know, Naaman here did that. He listened to the voice of the maid. He listened to the voice of the servant of, 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 the, of the prophet. And he listened to his own servants. Listening. Humility, second dip. Being willing to go through something that makes no sense. Takes a lot of humility. Takes a lot of humility. Humbling ourselves and listening to that voice of those around us that care about us deeply care about us. The third dip is faith. It wasn't Naaman's faith. And this morning the third dip I think here was letting the faith of others motivate us even when we have no faith ourselves. Sometimes we're, 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 we're told that we should do something so-and-so, right? And they, that person has faith that it'll work. We have no faith. But sometimes we just got to dip in their faith and do it, even if we don't have any. The fourth dip is obedience. A moving ahead in obedience, doing every detail to the fullest. The fifth dip is trust. You see, the faith of others, rewarded, they get rewarded with our obedience. The faith, the faith that comes out of us being willing to listen and humble ourselves and go off of someone else's faith. And then we and out of that, faith within us is mustered. The greatest mustard, the little seed of faith is planted. 
And we trust that and faith is rewarded with obedience. And obedience is rewarded with the ability to trust. You know, sometimes it's hard for us to trust. But we're called to obey even though we don't trust sometimes. We're called to to reach out by faith, believe. And sometimes the more faith that we exercise, the easier it is for us to trust because we obey those things that are put before us. And the sixth tip is cleaning. Cleaning. The actual cleaning. You see, faith, it's the actual cleaning. It's the action where, where our personal faith that is being is starting to grow. Our personal faith starts to grow and it motivates us and, we, and we, 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 we live it out in obedience and it builds trust. You see the dynamic that goes on, faith, obedience, and trust. It's the actual cleaning with that's going on on the inward. I like to think Naaman, when he dipped himself the sixth time, he already knew he couldn't, get, he couldn't wait for that seventh dip. He was already being driven by... By, by like, yes, this is going to work. I know it's going to work. So already inwardly, there was a cleansing that was happening. There was already an anticipation within him that he, he was already like, yes, it's going to work. So the cleansing already happens before the outward. And the seventh dip is healing. Complete healing. An outward sign of what happened on the inward. Can you just imagine with me this morning when Naaman came down one, two, three, four, five, and he checked his spots and they were still there. Six, they were still there. They didn't get any less. I don't think there was just a fading away. Uh uh-uh. uh. I think they were there completely, fully till the seventh dip. And he came up clean, cleansed. His flesh was made like the flesh of a child. This morning, do you hear the Spirit of God speaking in your life? Sometimes we don't hear God speaking because we, don't, we, we think we have them all figured out. We think that God needs to move this way and this way, just like Naaman did when he went to the house of the prophet. And what we hear, we don't want to hear because it didn't come straight from God. This morning, God has strategically placed us, each one of us, in our lives with others so that we can help each other obtain cleansing. Sometimes God sends a messenger and speaks through people. I would like to say a lot of times, if not all times, God uses people to speak. Do you hear him speaking? Through them. Am I listening? Am I willing to plunge? I'm sure Naaman wanted healing. And he might have prayed and prayed and prayed and prayed for healing. Nothing happened. But when God's voice came through the voice of a little girl, and he acted on that, and then his servants, he found healing. Sometimes I don't see I need help. Sometimes I don't think I need help until my wife kindly reminds me that when I, that I need a little improvement in this area. What do I do with that? 
Man, what do we do with that when our wives kindly remind us of where we need improvement? You see, I have two options. I can wear the proudful self that Naaman did, following the first sin of pride. And the second thing is evil questioning. Or I can listen to it as a voice, as a messenger from God. And let it create cleansing in my life. I can either leave blessed and more, more cleansed or leave frustrated like Naaman did. Or sometimes I think, yeah, I know I have a problem. I know I need help. I got it all figured out, though. And I know what needs to happen in order for me to get the experience this cleansing. And we live our lives that way. And we go thinking we have everything down pat to know what it needs to take for us to experience a more vibrant Christian life or cleansing in our lives. But we don't. We don't. We need each other's voices in our lives. Can we humble ourselves, be willing to listen and run on the faith of others? If Naaman wouldn't have humbled himself, he would have rotted, rotted away his life. Can we go along with the faith of others even when it makes no sense? Can we obey even when it's hard? I like to think the faith of others got Naaman to the door of the man of, man of God. The faith of his servants got him to the Jordan's edge. But Naaman's obedience got him into the water. And his obedience is the very detail that the only way he was able to be healed. Full obedience. A trust, are we willing to obey and trust? A trust that builds on the action of obedience. You see, Naaman here was really experiencing cleaning inward with the seventh dip. I mentioned that already. Our inward cleansing is an action by our personal faith in Jesus Christ. It motivates obedience. It should anyways. If we want to be fully cleansed, it needs to. And then builds a relationship, personal relationship with Jesus Christ that enables us to trust him more fully. Can we trust the voice of God through others? It, it is the only way to feel, to find healing and continued restoration of our lives. God speaks to us sometimes personally, but he also speaks to others, through others to us. <clears throat> you know, sometimes we get, I find myself going through the dips of cleansing, sanctification, and I stop at dip six. I stop there. I feel like, you know, the inward cleansing feels good. We feel restored. We feel excited. We feel motivated. But then we forget to do dip seven fully, fully out of obedience. And then we wonder why we don't have the power to go about that we need today. 
First Corinthians 1, 24-25. But unto them which are called, both Jew and Greek, Christ, the power of God, and the wisdom of God, because the foolishness of God is wiser than men, and the weakness of God is stronger than men. You see, God's, God's, it's, he's saying here, even God isn't foolish, but even the, even if God would be foolish, the, the foolishness of God is, is so much more bigger and wiser than men. And the God's weakness, the weakest side of God is so much stronger than us men. For ye, for ye seeing your calling, brethren, now that not many wise men are, are after the flesh, but not, not many mighty, and not, not many mobile are called. You see, Obadiah in 1 Kings 19, 18, there where Brian spoke of this morning. He was in a dilemma. He was scared, and Brian pointed out, he was scared that he was going to go somewhere, and Elisha was going to vanish. And then he went to the king, and the king would say, where is he? And he would have killed him, because he said a lie, mistrusted him. Obadiah trusted Elisha's words. And he was a messenger and a voice for God. But God hath chosen the foolish things of this world to confound the wise, and God hath chosen the weak things of this world to confound the things that are mighty, and the base things of this world, and the things that are despised hath God chosen. Yea, things which are not, to bring to naught the things that are. Naaman experienced that so fully. The Jordan River, the muddy Jordan, Israel River, the thing that was despised, the thing that was despised that he had, he was a leopard. God used the despised Jordan River, muddy Jordan River, to heal a disease that was incurable in that day. Why? That no flesh should glory in his presence. God does these things. But of him ye are of Christ Jesus, who of God is made unto us wisdom and righteousness and sanctification and redemption. I love that verse. That according as it is written, he that glorieth, let him glory in the Lord. This morning we're called to help each other along life's way. We're called to, be, to speak truth into each other's lives. We're called to build each other up. We're called to be that people, that people that God has strategically placed in our path. When someone comes knocking at your door, taps you on the shoulder, look him as a messenger from God. Because he cares. He loves you. We're called to help each other work through our baggage from some of our imperfections of our past. We're called to rest help restore and to lift up, to strengthen the weak. Not that it glorifies us but that it glorifies God. Can I trust your faith? If, my faith? if my faith is weak, can I trust yours? Can I trust on your voice when God seems silent? It takes humility in the sight of God. It's only then when we humble ourselves, it's only then that God can use us and lift us up. Let's kneel in prayer. <clears throat>
Our kind, righteous, eternal, heavenly Father, we thank you for your goodness to us. God, we thank you that you have sent Jesus, your son, to die on the cross that made it possible that we can dip in the blood that he shed to be cleansed. And yes, Lord, you gave us all the resources. You gave us the plan of salvation, a free gift. You're asking us to just dip ourselves in that. In your love, in your, in your, in your word. Out of obedience and faith and trust in you. That we could experience full cleansing and healing. We thank you God that you have cleansed us. And you are healing us. And that you, you have brought a way that we can be restored. And you made a way that we can be redeemed. And that we can be sanctified daily through you. We thank you. We praise you. We commit this time to you in Jesus name. Amen.